to dark with Mark. Have you fucked up yet? Success comes with fuck ups. So here we are, another episode of After Dark with Mark, and today I receive a lady. Actually, she's a badass. First time I heard about you, I mean, that was the story. Like, that, that, like, don't mess up with her. And uh, and I was like, who's she? I mean, like, I'm scared now. Reem Burroughs, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much. That's too funny. Like, I don't know if we should tell this story. I think that we're going to scare people off if we do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, how it all started, you know, we were, um, I was with just a, a whole bunch of people and um, I was actually saying to them, look, I don't have a story to tell. I really don't. Most people will talk to you about their stories and their journeys and it came naturally. And I often thought to myself, um, I don't actually have a story per se. But then what happened is every night that we were gathering, because we were at a conference, something would come up and I would share an experience of mine throughout, you know, like a couple of decades ago or a decade ago or even two years ago. And with every experience, everyone's going, where did that come from? Like, you're telling us you've got no stories. And then I did, I just had an experience. And um, I guess what, what was demonstrated that every time you put me under pressure, I am able to just instinctively get out of these situations or really become, well, it was labelled as a badass. I don't know if I'd call myself as a badass, but that's what it was labelled <laughs> as. <laughs> I love I love that story. And this is how I got to know you because you had to tell the story. Everybody wanted to hear it. So uh, maybe another time we're going to tell the story. Yes, for sure, for sure. But what I like about you is you were having a very good career going on for you. And then, you know, you just decided, oh, fuck this. I, I just want to suffer. I want to go into my own. <laughs> I want to like start my own business where you had it super good. I mean, like people were treating you like a, like a queen, you know, staying in the best hotels, being like traveling first class and all those things. And then you just decided, nah, you know what? That's not challenging enough. I need to go on my own. Yeah, no, it was, it was so true. So, and it's an interesting, it was a very, very interesting journey because when I first started, let's just go back 22 years now. When I first started, I had a real dream. I really did. And I had, you know, um, $1,500 to my name and I was moving from city to city. So I'm from Australia. I was moving, I started to move from Melbourne to Sydney. All I had in terms of possessions is whatever could fit into my car. And I also, with that 1500 I had to pay my car registration within a month and a half. But I really wanted to succeed. I've got this uh, absolute, if you want to call it, burning desire. So I moved to Sydney to where all the large pharmaceutical companies were. And I just started applying for jobs. I wanted a corporate career. And I had to start from scratch, obviously. And I got a lot of rejections. You know, the old story of when you really want something, you have to go after it, but don't expect things to happen just naturally. But over a 20, I'm going to cut a very long story short, over a period of 20 years, I really forged a great career for myself. And I loved every second of it. And I always thought that this is where I wanted to be. And I'm just going to keep going up the career ladder, moving up and up and up and treating it like it's on my own business and helping people develop their skills and so forth. Well, I got to the 20-year point and everything was going really well, but there was something missing. 
because I realised that the higher up the corporate ladder I was going, the less time I was actually spending with people doing what I really, really love and the more time I was spending on Excel spreadsheets and PowerPoint presentations. And that's, and not, that, that's not really fulfilling. Not the well, it is for some people. Look, for some people it is, but you need to know what really fulfills you as a person. And to me, that was like death by a thousand cuts. Hmm. Oh. So I was slowly, slowly, without realizing it over, you know, slowly sort of not waking up in the morning and jumping out of bed with excitement. Because I know I've always promised myself the second that stops is the second I have to reconsider what I'm doing. So that's exactly what I did. And I thought, no, it's time to follow my dream. It's time to do the next thing. Um, and my career was fantastic, but I literally had to go from whatever it is that I was earning, which was beautiful to zero. And I had to, I had to actually come to grips in terms of my mind, it, it, starting all over again and being a student all over again, because I've never had my own business. That is, had, that is started from scratch. Yes, it was. It was starting from scratch. Absolutely. And how old were you when you decided to do that? <laughs> oh, sorry no, about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. I was very, I was very, very young. I was very young. I was um, 47. And then you just decided, you know what? I'm, yeah, I'm pulling the plug. I, most people at 47 will never, ever consider doing something like this. Maybe not. I think for me, it was um, a time of, I've always been very open and honest with myself. So I've always been like, no BS. Don't try and find excuses. Don't be scared. Don't be anything. I've, I'm really lucky. I've always had great mentors. But here's the one thing that I've learned over the years, that no matter how scared you are, that first thought that comes into your mind is the thing that you have to follow. Mm. And you have to totally jump. So I, again, in my mentorship, so, um, and again, it was from people who just obviously saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and helped me along the way, because you always need people to help you along the way. So long as you make that committed decision, so long as you make that first decision to make a jump, then you'll see how many people will support you along the way. And what happened with me is I thought, no, I've got to do this. This has to be done. But then along the way, you, 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 yeah. you experience a lot of fuck ups, like on, on the way there, because you're, you, you're used to a corporate world where pretty much, you know, at the level that you were people, you're having people working for you. So it's, you need something you ask and it's done. But when you start as an entrepreneur, everything shifts, everything's different. Well, I mean, I, I probably could write the, I could probably write um, the book on how to stuff up. I, I really could. I could write the book on that. And, you know, if you look up in the dictionary, you'll find my name under that term, term there. <laughs> you know? but, but what I have, and even in the corporate, well, even when you are, it doesn't matter where you are, to take any chance or any risk, and that's also with your career, you have to, you have to make mistakes. And most people are scared of that. But the reality is that no one of any consequence has ever done anything without the falls there's no such thing if you haven't fallen that means you haven't gone after anything mm -hmm. you didn't try it hard enough or you didn't well it's just that you didn't have the dream to begin with and that means you played it so safe and 
that means you haven't taken any risks in your life and it means also that you haven't you haven't really followed your dream so what was it your dream because that you said that okay that was my dream this is what the the vision i had when i was a young girl and then i was like for 20 years i did that and it was really doing what well. i was doing well i was earning good money i had a good lifestyle but then you felt this emptiness that was that was something missing yes so i um again this whole i've always been a great visualization so i can hold an image in my mind for a very very long time i'd always been like that and i've always been a very very big dreamer and in fact that all started um from my brother because i remember once one day saying to him this is many 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 decades ago we were just talking and we were at school and you know still really young and i said then you know what the most important thing is just to be happy and he turned around to me in that instance. He said, look, happiness is fantastic and you absolutely 100%, but you have to dream big. And you have to dream so big that no matter what, what it is that you achieve will be always better than what you can achieve without the dream. So oh, don't, wow, this don't, is good. And he's only two and a half years older than me. So we were very young. It's just that he was open-minded and I was always influenced by my brother and my mother. So for me, it was kind of like, well, that's true. So, and I said to him, when you say dreaming, how big does it have to be? He goes so big that you've got no idea. So imagine hey, saying that to a that teenager. Is, that is good. Like to have this already being so young. Yes. And he goes, just focus on that. And then no matter where you reach, it's going to be awesome. So long as it is a massive, massive thing. And so for me, the dreaming part and the visualization started way back then. And, and as you know, if you, if you train your mind to do something, it's just like when you go to the gym and train your muscles, it responds. Yes. And the more you do it, the more it responds. And that's why we've got to be careful not to stop dreaming because what happens is that just like with the gym, the second you stop, it slowly deteriorates. So don't ever stop because you need to keep exercising that muscle in your mind. Mm -hmm. And for me, what happened was along the line, along the way of dreaming big in the corporate, probably within 10 years in, I started to dream about, wow, imagine if I could just have my big, huge business and I've got people around me and I recreate my own, my own organization, which was going to be a corporation. So the dream started to just shift a little bit without me even realizing until one day I thought, wow, this is, this is too good. I need to do this. And there were circumstances at work that sort of nudge you along and, and push you in that direction. Not all good ones, <laughs> by the way, not all good ones, but you have to be grateful for those ones as well. You have to be grateful for the hard realities that come to you. Well, like as, as far as I'm concerned, looking backward, right? Because you can only connect the dot looking backward. And I think this is one of the best um, insight from an entrepreneur, which is coming from Steve Job, is when you start looking back, then you can, you can pinpoint, oh, I failed there, but then that gave me this insight or that experience. Then I failed there and this, this is what happened there. And then I failed there. And then because it's not when it was all going well, you don't remember those. It's, you're just enjoying them. It's really when you fall down and you, you pick yourself up and you say, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep moving. Let's keep going after this big dream, this big vision, this, this, this uh, goal that I have that is so big. I have zero clue how I'm going to make it. 
But yeah, when no, you absolutely. can pick yourself up, then everything shifts, right? Well, exactly. So I often say to people, it's very, very, very easy to be motivated when everything's going well. And we all think that, look at us, we are so, we think in the right way, we do this, but everything's going well, right? So it's very easy. It's when, it's when the proverbial shit hits the fan is when you need to get that courage and the strength, that inner strength, and that's the most critical time. So you can't fall then because you've got a choice at this point when shit happens You've got a choice. You can either allow it to control you and dictate your next move or you rise above it and you say, well, what's my next move? Right. And you have to be grateful for those moments because that's what pushes us out of our comfort zones because it forces us to make decision. It forces us into saying, well, what do I want now? Because no one makes these fantastic decisions when everything's going really well and you're earning an enormous amount and everything's hunky-dory. Very, or very few people it's when the shit hits the fan when you've got to say to yourself, okay, everything that I've trained my mind to do, am I going to take all that strength and bring it to action now or am I going to allow the situation to really cripple me? And now what I've learned over time is whenever something like this happens, I say to myself, this is probably going to be the best ride of your life. Imagine that. And that is a shift. Because if you go back 20 years ago, if something of that nature happened and you just want to crawl into your bed and never get out. Yeah, you get into fetal position. Yeah. Why, you, why is that? Why are we going into fetal position? Is that the well, comfort? You know, well, I, one, it's the comfort zone. I think what happens with people is that, you know, the concepts that you and I are discussing right now are very easy to intellectualize. So everyone can talk about it. We can sit down for days upon days and talk about mindset and positive attitude and things like that. Where the discomfort comes is actually using Mm-hmm. and yeah, applying that's, that's for sure. all the very simple concepts. So there's two things that I live by. Number one, it's you have to be attached to nothing and open to everything, which means that you need to be, you need to have this mindset where barriers are not existent. So you cannot say to yourself, here's, this is the reason why I can't do something. And Napoleon Hill's, uh, Hill calls it, you know, your alibis. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too poor. I'm too rich. Um, if only I had this or that, you know, the circumstances, mm. we tend to use a lot of alibis. So what we need to do is always, always keep training ourselves to think beyond that and, put, and look at things in a very different way. You know, Wayne Dyer says it beautifully, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change, right? Mm-hmm. So I live by that. I always say to myself, well, how can I look at this differently? How can I see this view completely in a different angle? And the more you train your mind, the better you get at it. Like training a muscle. It's getting, it's like getting stronger. Muscle. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is, I think, you know, going back to your question there, um, you know, if you, and I'll ask you this question, if you want to build muscle, are you going to get that muscle definition that you want through reading magazines or watching someone else train? And, you know, the answer is very simple. No, you're not. So why do you think that just watching per someone or just listening to someone speak about mindset training is going to build your muscle in the mind? That's a very good analogy. 
That's a beautiful analogy because most of the people are doing exactly this mistake. They're watching video on YouTube. They are reading some books, but they never put it into practice. So it doesn't work. Exactly. Exactly. So to build that muscle, you actually have to make it work. And to make it work, you have to be willing to listen to someone who's already done it, who's been very successful, and do exactly the same thing without questioning it. It's the same thing for bodybuilders, athletes. You know, um, like if you look at the top-class worldwide athletes, that's exactly what they do. And so why does the average person think that they shouldn't do it? There's a really interesting article called um, The Corporate Athlete. And this is how, again, it all started for me after my conversation with my brother. It talks around how if you really want to succeed, succeed in the corporate world, and you can even say as an entrepreneur as well, you have to think like a top-class athlete. A top performer. Absolutely top performer. And mm. all you have to do is get those transferable skills that are like what the psychologists work with and the coaches work with the, these top performing athletes and embed it into your everyday life. And now, so that, and if anyone wants that um, study, by the way, I can send it through to you and make it available because it, I've sort of, it was probably about 19 years ago that I came across this when it was first published. And it was one of the most like, wow. That's so true. And again, I was really fortunate because my sister is a four-time Olympian. And so, and she's 10 years younger than me. So I was kind of like the one that was dropping her off to training and picking her up and things like that. And we lived together before the 2000 Olympics for, for quite a long time as she was training. And so I saw that, couple it with, with my brother and my mum's sort of conversations and then couple it with the corporate athlete article. And I went, I can do that. In my own way. So you are you consider yourself as a corporate athlete? I so love, now I, I see myself that. as an entre I see myself as an entrepreneurial athlete now. Mm -hmm. So I just shift. It's just put a word in front of it, whatever it is that you want to be. Yeah. Absolutely. This is a beautiful picture, actually, because you can really transfer especially if you love sports, you, you have the picture of what an athlete is, like if you love basketball, or baseball, or hockey, or whatever, and you can transfer that, that your favorite player and you move that into the entrepreneur segment and, and dress him into this, this whatever you want to dress him with, but the, with the mindset of the athlete. So and then absolutely. you just go, you work with it. Exactly. So I'll give you an example. Okay. My sister is a 10 meter platform diver and she represented Australia four times in the Olympics. She's also a world, world champion, a Canamex champion, a whole host of different things. But every time I picked her up from uh, training, so she trains six days a week, four to five hours, sometimes six hours a day. Every time I picked her up, she was doing exactly the same thing in the dry pit, not in the water. And so to me, it was like, well, you're doing the one percenters, right? You're doing, you, you, you are doing the very simple things every single day. The same way. you've got prices in place in exactly the same way. And so we should not be any different than that. You have to develop processes, systems, rituals, visualization rituals, everything else. It's the simple things that will get you to success. And I think what happens from an average person's perspective is that we overcomplicate everything. 
Yeah, but you but have as, to be as, willing to do the work. I'm sorry, you, you, yes. Yeah, you look as, a, as an average person now listening to you and just like, really, I've got to become like crazy like them? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's not about being crazy. So I would use the word is devotion. So number one, it's devotion. And number two, it doesn't mean it's hard. It's actually a beautiful thing. Because what we're not doing as entrepreneurs is the physical exertion. But there's the law of sacrifice, okay? And the law of sacrifice basically stipulates that you have to sacrifice something for another thing if you want to get to where you want to get to. It's just that in our culture, we, the word sacrifice is negative. But to me, I say to myself, no, no, sacrifice is actually a really positive word. I will sacrifice TV any day. I'll sacrifice sitting on the couch any day. I'll sacrifice gossip any day. I'll sacrifice a whole host of different things that are so non-productive any day of the week. And replace them with something that's going to help you to move forward toward what you want. Exactly. So I replace the TV with good reading. Mm -hmm. I replace uh, gossip with getting a notepad and just jotting down and becoming really creative. I'll forge out 20 minutes a day that I think is just my thinking time and me and, you know, with myself alone. And I have a real process that's in place and I don't deviate from that. And that's what you call devotion. And I'm more than happy to sacrifice everything else. Would you say that this is the reason why that you were able to transition? I'm not going to say easily because I don't think that that's representing what was the transition, but uh, with simplicity from a corporate world to a entrepreneurship world where that now you are in control and everything comes for you and by you. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm going to... I'm going to dispel a myth, one little myth here. Being in a corporate world and being an entrepreneur, if you're using the same methodology, there's so many transferable skills that it's not, it's not hard. Now, I'm not saying it's easy either because it depends on your mental agility and toughness. Yeah, but there's, so, a, there's thousands of people that can never make the transition. They can't. Yes, or they're saying also, they can't. They're saying they can't, right? There's no such thing as you can't, right? Because exactly. my mindset in the corporate world was that I, this, I was always running my own business. And I think that's why I was so successful. Everything I viewed was as if it was my business. So when I came to start the entrepreneurial, and again, it goes back to mindset, my own business. Well, I went, well, where's the transferable skills? Because I always viewed it as my own business in the first place. Now, it wasn't. I mean, I was working for large global organizations. But anything I did, I would do as if it's my, my baby. If it, was my, if it was my company, would I spend this money? If the answer was yes, I would spend it. If the answer was no, I wouldn't spend it. So, again, it just goes back to that mental agility that you, you create for yourself. And are there tough times? Of course, there are tough times. Do I get scared? Absolutely, 100%. Do I get upset? 100%. Do I doubt and worry? Oh, my God, 1,000%. But what happens is, that is how quickly can you turn things around? It's not whether or not you do, because everyone does. And, Mark, you know this more than I do. You know, there is no such thing as a person that doesn't go through doubt and worry and fear and all of that. We need that. That's important. It's just how quickly can you turn that to work for you rather than allow it to cripple you? Mm-hmm. So and that is where the key, that's where the key sits. 
That's the key. I mean, even if you read about Nelson Mandela, okay, if you spent time reading, he had a lot of fears. He had a lot of doubt and worry. He had a lot of, it's just he really quickly was able to change it around. And he realised that no one, but no one can change the way he thinks or influence the way he thinks except for himself. So you look at any major person of success, whichever, in whatever field you want, it's the, the way that they think that's the most critical part. So they don't believe that the world can control them. They believe that they can control their world, despite the ups and downs. What would you say to a young kid, millennials? Because you, you've got a family, so you've got uh, a couple kids, right? Yes, two beautiful kids two beautiful kids and uh basically you're teaching those principles to them obviously and for for them they probably gonna have like a jump start because they are having mm. the right information to be able to apply that information later on but what would you say to like a young millennial which is, is just getting out of college is is full of ambition still like his, his dream haven't been crushed by society and whatever like the workforce and whatever it is out there and he wants to go in business for himself like what would be like two or three advice that you would give him so he can he can get moved he can get moving yeah that's a really good question actually so my advice would have to be i mean it's a, a threefold right the first one is just do it just do it just do it number one just do yeah. it just do it There's a great, there's a great slogan like this. Just Isn't it? it? Mr. Nike, Mr. Nike knew exactly what he was saying, didn't he? <laughs> But the, um, the point behind it though, there is that you have to be able to do it, but you have to understand that it takes work and it doesn't just happen. Okay. So, you know, with the law of attraction and everything else that they talk about, the, the main principle behind the law of attraction is knowing number one, what is your desire? What is it that you really, really want? And you write it down with no barriers, but then you have to actually take action. Take action, that would be the second one. The second one, you have to do things every, like for, for me, it's around every single night, writing the six things that I'm going to do the next day, that's going to direct me leading to that goal. Now, but here's a third most important thing. You can never, ever, ever be attached to the outcome. Mm. Our role, when we're following our goal. So my job, for example, is to have my goal and take action. How people respond afterwards is none of my business. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. You like that, don't you? I love it, <laughs> but I'm, I'm always trying to put myself in the seat of the, uh, the, the audience, which is listening to this and says, so what do you mean? Like, it's not of your business. Like, I mean, it is like, if, if that's not what I want, I need to make a change. Okay, good, good. So can I give you an example? Mm -hmm. I'll give you a really good example here. So my first public seminar, For me, it was so important that I get it right. I wanted to have a seminar. I was really used to uh, presenting and doing trainings and all of that for corporations. But the first one that I ever had for the public, you know, you've got to do the event bright. You have to pay for everything yourself. You have to organize everything. And I went, this better be, what if no one turns up? That's the first thought that came to my mind. What if no one turns up? I'll just be there on my own. I would have paid all that money 
made it really slick and no one turns up. How do I know if anyone's going to turn up? So there's two things that can happen there. I could actually have said to myself, well, let me not do it and keep doing what I'm doing through corporations because it's really comfortable and I know it's going to work. Or I could just bite the bullet and get the seminar underway. And the way that I spoke to myself over that was my job is to invite people and get everything ready. Who turns up is none of my business. And even if no one turns up, because I had the video guy there, I had a whole host of things ready. But even if no one turns up, I've set my intention. Right, so I've set my intention. I just have to go through it. So that's what I mean by saying the outcome is not up to you. You just have to take action. And, you know, if you have a look at, any salesperson, any anything, you have to, it's a numbers game. Everything's a numbers game. You take action and results will follow. You just don't know where the results are going to come from. And you shouldn't have to be so controlling of every single outcome that it cripples you from mm -hmm. the onset. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Uh, totally. Like it makes sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to the, the one which is listening right now. But at the end of the day, what you're saying is if you're focusing on what you can control, which is the way you're thinking, it's the way you're feeling and your action, the rest is going to take care of itself. Absolutely. And this is for any new business owner. You can't. So when you're starting off, of course, as an entrepreneur, you're going to have to pitch your business. And of course, people, you know, people are going to say no to begin with. But to me, so let's just say I'm pitching for my business. I want someone to, you know, to take up my uh, proposition. Well, what happens is that a lot of people will think, well, they said no. The first instance they say no, they go, well, I, didn't, I failed. But I see that as a success. It, there's no such thing as a no. It's just not yet. So what you have to do is go and see as many people as possible, as often as possible, and then focus on the ones that do say eventually yes. And everyone that says a no, it's just a not right now. I'm not ready for whatever reason. It could be my pitch. It could be they're just not ready. It could be a whole host of different things. But you can't allow that to stop you. What you have to do is take advantage of the fact that people are wanting you to, wanting to listen to your proposition as a new entrepreneur. And you just keep taking action. You keep asking yourself, well, what do I need to do to improve my business? What do I need to do to send my message across to the, to the masses? Now, who in the end responds is not, is not my business, is not your business. You will attract the right people to you. So you need to let go of that so you can focus on exactly what it is that you want and what's in your control, as you said. Is it that simple? Yes. But you have to, you have to control your emotions. That's all it is. And this is where that it's not easy. <laughs> so it's simple, exactly. but it's not easy. All the concepts are simple, but it's not easy because we don't allow, we get involved in all our, um, in all our negative emotions. So if you just for one second, because, you know, like they often say this, faith and fear, you can't see either of them, but they're the polar opposite and they reside on the same sphere, polar opposite. Now you've got a choice. You can either choose fear or you can choose faith so why do we always choose fear over faith by default for me, mm -hmm. by default and that's the mindset training so for me it's really simple i'm going to choose faith and you know a lot of times in terms of the, the laws of thinking if you think about 
about this. Um, you know, most people will say, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm-hmm. I say, That's wrong thinking. I'll see it, I'll see it when I then believe I'll, it. Mm-hmm. So I'll visualize it in my mind first and allow my subconscious mind to start believing it. And then it will happen. Don't wait till you sit. That's too late by that stage, especially for entrepreneurship. If you only do something when it's proven, you've lost the boat anyway, because you're just joining the masses and you want to be way ahead of the masses. This is great. This is great. I'm so I, passionate I, about this. I'm yeah, so I, but I love as well the way that you simplify for young entrepreneurs because like that's that's mainly the, the people which are listening to podcasts now. Like they're very mm. they're very hungry. They they want to succeed, but there's so much there's so much like ideas of you've got to grind and you've got to grind, but it's not necessarily like that. You don't need necessarily to do that, but you've got to take action. Like this is, this is where action, the grind yes. is, right? Exactly. Exactly. And don't be attached to anything. So I don't say to myself, and I'm going to give you an example here. I don't say to myself when I go and see someone, I really need to, to buy something from me because I'm going to make, I, I need the money. I don't say that. What I do is at the beginning of each financial year, I set my financial goal, my intention for the year, and then I let it go. I write it down and I let it go. And then I start to take action. And you make it really simple on yourself because if you're not concerned about where the money is going to come from, people who say no, which is a not yet, doesn't bother me. As long as I leave everyone feeling better about themselves and I give them a tip here and there because eventually someone's going to say yes. And so long as by the end of the financial year, I've hit my target, who cares where the money comes from? So again, just make it really, really, really simple for yourself and everything will follow you as a result of it. Could those but, process, could, could that simplicity can be made in terms of processes, like the way that you were mentioning earlier, that you need to have those processes in place in absolutely. order to create that routine? So if you create a process which is really simple and, you know, as you mentioned, you write six action steps that you do at night, and then you focus on those action, action steps the next day. And that is part of your processes. Yes, it's that simple. So what I have, I mean, I'm, I love process systems and have ever since I left university. I think that's the goal. One of the things is that people underestimate the, um, the importance of having process and systems and just following them. And because it creates consistency and it creates uh, operations. And this is how, if you want execution, successful execution, you need to have the right processes and systems. So what I do is I have my monthly planner and I slot in every single day what I'm doing. So at 6am I do exactly the same thing every morning. Um, I've got my exercise routine set in at the same time each day. I have my study routine set up each day and I end my night exactly the same way every night. And that's by having my pad, notepad, which is the six action steps for the next day. And that's the final thing that I do each night. And then I also have a look at, well, did I follow my six actions in the previous day? And if I did, that's great. I give myself a tick. And if I haven't followed it precisely, I have to be very serious with myself and say, why didn't I do that? And 
to sort of refocus again the next day. And I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is my gratitude piece every morning at exactly the same time. And what you're doing is you're developing really good habits and you're getting rid of all the old habits. So you just need to be process driven. Now, a lot of people say to me, well, when are you going to have fun? Do you not have downtime? I have downtime 100%. I just also have that as part of the process and systems. My downtime only comes when I've done what I needed to do, not before. So those non-productive activities, of course I do. Everyone has their non-productive. You've got to have your downtime. But I only have them once I've finished my productive activities. So I always start my day productively. I end it productively. I follow my process. And in between that time, I also have my downtime. You know, you, you mentioning all this and I'm trying to just put myself into someone which is really lazy, right? Loves to stay on the couch, watching TV, playing video games. And I'm listening to you and I'm just like, oh God, this is hard. This is a lot of work. And my, my question that came to my mind was like, like, do you have fun? Are you a fun person to be around? <laughs> I know the answer That's because a, I love to be around you. <laughs> That's such a good question. Are you a fun person? It's like, I almost sound like I'm a fun police, don't I? Okay, so here's the thing. For me, when I'm out and about, I am the most energetic, the most fun person you're ever going to hang around. When I'm alone and I'm working, that's when I'm really serious. But most people don't see that part. So my hard work comes when I'm, at home in my office and I do all the pre-planning. Now, the reason why I love that is by the time I go out into the world, I'm relaxed. I pre-planned everything. So even when I have coffee with people, with clients, when I go to conferences, when I'm doing training, whenever it is, I am having an absolute ball and everything's a joke to me. I make fun of everything. Yeah, you, you're, you're a lot of fun actually. You know, you've so, got a great personality, but you like an iceberg, meaning what we see is only the tip. Like we yes. haven't seen all the work that you've done behind, which yeah, allows you to be having like this shiny ice on top. Absolutely. People often say to me, things come to you so easily. <laughs> I just laugh. because right? <laughs> like, hey, you. But I do do a lot of hard work. But going back to your point about you saying lazy people, I don't believe there's any such thing as lazy people. I think what's happened is that most people who are deemed lazy just don't know what they want. Okay. And that's the only hard part. The hardest part is to work out exactly what it is that you want. Once you know that what you want, that just energizes you to no end whatsoever. So it, it gives you so much energy that everything becomes fun. So for me, I don't see this as work. This is fun. I love it. And so when I do end up, you know, I travel a lot. We go to holidays. We do a whole host of, you know, like my life is beautiful. It really is. But that's because... I consider everything that I do as fun and just part of my downtime. And, you know, it can, does that make sense? So I don't separate the two. I don't go, I've got to work hard and that's going to be hard and not fun. And then my personal life is going to be the fun part. It's all, it's all the same. It's all of one. Everything that I do is going to be fun. This is wonderful. Reem, thank you so much for sharing with us 
uh, your path to to success and uh, and share as well like uh, that you can change idea and change career even though that you're advanced into your your career and just say you know what I don't want to do this anymore I want to do something else so for the people out there that are just thinking you know what I've got a good situation but you really have a dream to to go after that big dream that big vision and you always put it off but you say you know what I want to have that void filled like do it just do it just do it dream Jesus, thing. beautiful label thank you so much such a pleasure thank you so much and uh we'll we'll get you back on the so then we can talk about this um, this situation like that makes you a badass <laughs> i'd love to i just don't know if anyone will come anyway near me again but that's good i'd love to share that somewhere with you thank you so much thank you <laughs> bye-bye bye-bye Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please write a review and subscribe to never miss a future episode of After Dark with Mark. As well, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mark Jospitre.